And when you see this resistance or feel this resistance, lean into it, right? And fear isn't always a bad thing. Like that feeling of fear, it can serve us in a lot of different situations, but a lot of times it's an indicator that something else is on the other side of that fear, of that resistance. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Lifestyle Engineer Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Chenard. And today I'm really excited to have a friend of mine, um, a fellow gym owner, Kevin Wood. He's the host of the Resilient Humans podcast, owner of CrossFit Moncton. And we met in a mastermind group, Two Brain Business, three, two, two years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. Probably at least, at least three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome here today, Kevin. Excited to have you on. Man, I'm so pumped to, to be on now. This is great. Yeah. So it, this is a really open forum kind of podcast. I don't really have a lot of structure in the sense that I'm going to ask you specific questions. I'll ask you some leading questions. I mean, if we start talking about ice baths, awesome. Um, we can talk about <laughs> ice baths the whole time. But share with me a little bit, Kevin, what, what prompted you to start your own podcast? And what does... Actually, I'll start there and I'll ask the follow-up question after. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it was not my idea. I'll tell you that. So um, I guess I've had, I've always had an interest in putting information out there to allow people to do with it as they please. And I found, you know, typical routes of social media or just email blasts. A lot of people just pass it by or kind of delete it and it doesn't really have the same effect. And so when I thought about how could I reach people a little bit better, podcasting came to mind, but it kind of hummed and hawed about it. I didn't really do anything with that until uh, my wife actually asked a friend, a mutual friend, Scott Ramage, um, what in, in like equipment do I need for podcasting? And he just sent her a list. She bought it for me, got it for my birthday, and it's almost uh, a year later now. So... The impact that I've had, and we kind of chatted a little bit before uh, recording here, but it's the the cool part about that is the impact that I have on other people. So they can really dive in and we can go a lot deeper than just a generic Facebook post or, you know, an email and the feedback that I'm getting from people like, Hey, when you said this, that really, you know, it made me do this thing differently. That just makes my entire day. Yeah, when you say it impacts people in a different way, uh, opposed to Instagram or Facebook, I mean, you can curate pictures, you can curate how you want something to sound when you type it out, right? You can look it over and you can look it over again, but this is more authentic, this is more real, because we're having a conversation. I mean, we can edit this post-production to cut things out, but rarely, if ever, do I do that. And I'm sure you don't either because it's no. real, it's authentic. And that's the stuff people want to hear, right? They want to hear real stories. They want to hear su successful stories. They want to hear how people have done things, but it's almost um, the trials that impact people more hearing those, those testimonies, testimonies, those results. And that's where your name of your podcast would come from, right? You're talking about resilient humans. What do you think defines a resilient human? It's funny. I ask that to every guest. I want to know what their definition is of resiliency. And of all the people I've asked, I've gotten entirely different answers from everybody. And 
that's the cool part. I always say, I always learn something from the guests that I have on. And then I use that knowledge and help the people that I'm working with in, in the gym and in my business. Mm. So what do I see as a resilient human? That's a really great question. Um, a lot of people think that it's somebody that had to go through something very hard or challenging or even hit rock bottom and then came back from it. And while that may be true, and that's definitely part of it, it's not the whole picture. You can definitely be resilient without having hit rock bottom. You can be resilient from just being vulnerable. And that's what I learned from one of my uh, episodes with Mark Black. He was like, it's, it's about being vulnerable and being open. That's, that's real resiliency. And that's, that's another part of it. And so I'm learning what that means every single time I interview somebody. So I don't really have a set definition because it's so fluid and it, it changes every single time I, I talk to somebody different. Yeah, that makes sense because it, it can mean something different in different parts of someone's journey too, right? Because it could be vulnerability. It could be strength. It could be courage. It could be grit. It could be, these are all just words that there's definitions to them. Like if we looked up resiliency, there's going to be a definition to it. But I think we have the ability to create a definition for ourselves based on what we've been through and share those expertise with other people. And I think that's the most important part is when we go through different struggles, we go through different stories, it's to sh then share it with other people. And that's why podcasts, again, podcasting is such an impactful tool as you're sharing these stories and you're saying, hey, this guest, Kevin, this is resiliency to him. And I can take some of that and glean that. I can apply it in my own life and I can listen to another guest, another guest, and keep listening to different podcasts. So if you were to think of, of resiliency, you mentioned vulnerability. One of your guests had that on your podcast as something that would define resiliency what practices do you have and i think actually you asked me the same question on yours what practices do you have to build resiliency so there's different i guess topics or, or categories of resiliency so i like to put them into the categories of physical or fitness uh, mental and then nutritional and those are kind of like the three main components of what we what we coach at, at our business at CrossFit Moncton. And so physical resiliency is about doing hard things. And that's, and that's on purpose, not just being chucked into something, you know, right. it's bank, putting a, a bank together of all the things that you've done over time. So one thing that comes to mind is, and this was years and years ago, uh, I chose to do with a friend of mine, the burpee mile. So you'd lay on the ground, you'd get up, and you do a broad jump forward. And we did that for one mile. It took us about an hour and a half. Yeah. The, that's my hard. gloves had holes in them. Like I, it was completely <laughs> chaotic, but it was fun kind of. But what I learned after that is if I can do, it was, I think around 720 burpees it took us to do the mile. If I can do 720 burpees, if I have to do 50 in a workout, who cares? Like that's nothing. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to bank all of these hard things that I'm choosing to do on purpose so that when things come up in my daily life, I can look back in that bank and say, well, I've done something like that. It's not going to be as bad as I think it is. Right. 
So that's just the hedge. You're creating like a, a gap. Yeah. And so that's just the physical aspect to it. The mental stuff, and this is where I, I learned from you, is the ice bath. It's not the act of doing it. I'm sure there's physical benefits. You know, you get more uh, brown fat. All the health benefits are definitely there. But for me, and what I've noticed, I don't know if I've told you this yet. When I'm in, so I've been taking cold showers. When I'm in there and it's still warm and I'm just, I've rinsed all the soap off. If I feel resistance to turning it to cold, I know that I actually need to do it. Like yeah. it's, an indi- it's an indicator for me that, okay, I have to do this if I'm resisting it. Like if I get in and it's like nice and hot and I'm like, man, I really don't want to put, put the cold on me right now. Nope, not going to do it today. Nope, today's the day. I'm just going to skip it. Nobody's going to even know because it's just me in the shower. Nobody's going to know. Yeah. Then I say, I actually have to. Because I'm feeling that much resistance. And when I do that, it's like flexing a resilient muscle. You know, the the saying goes, use it or lose it. Well, I Mm. I choose to use it so that I don't have to think. It's just, it's just a reaction now. Mm. Yeah, that's the big thing. I like that. I like that a lot. And when you see this resistance or feel this resistance, lean into it. Yeah. Right. And fear isn't always a bad thing like that feeling of fear it can serve us in a lot of different situations but a lot of times it's it's an indicator that something else is on the other side of that fear of that resistance and then you're actually building the ability to handle stress and fear better right so i talking about ice baths and cold exposure i've been doing cold exposure for over five or six years it started with cold showers, then I got a, a freezer, and I should tell this story. So I got a freezer, a chest freezer for my house, and I, I lined it so it went to rust, and I filled it up, and I plugged it in when I wasn't using it. I unplugged it when I got in. But to find one, I was checking Facebook Marketplace and couldn't find anything. So I went into the local brick, which I don't know if anyone listening to the States, if they know or that, what that is, but I guess appliance store. And I walked up to the person at the front. I said, do you have any um, freezers that could fit a body in it? And she looked at me like, what's this guy? I was like, whoa, whoa, nope, sorry. That doesn't sound right. Any freezers I can sit in, which is, I mean, it's not good. That's better than asking. (laughs) But going back to what I was saying is when you do things like this, when you put yourself in stressful situations, you're forcing a stress response. Right. When you can force and you going into a stressful situation on purpose, you can be more an observer instead of an active participant in that. Right. So I can sit back when I sit in the ice tub. And over the years, I've learned this. I know exactly how it's going to feel. It still hurts. It still sucks. But I know how my body's going to feel and I know how it's going to react. So then I forced, I wedged myself in there. I think Sean Carnegie talks about the wedge, right? You're creating this wedge. And creating a wedge by I'm being more focused on my breathing and slowing it down quickly. Now, with a lot of consistency with making these deposits, because that's like how I like to talk about these things, you're making these deposits. Now, my automatic response when I get in the cold water is normal. I don't gasp. I don't have this reflex at all. I can continue talking because I practiced it. Now, people want the outcome. They want the byproduct of something without having to go through the journey. Like this is taking me six years. 
right? And it's going to take a long time, but you have to fall in love with that process instead of just saying, I want to be at this point. I want to reach the top of the summit. Because when you just have your eyes focused on the summit or the outcome, then you're missing the whole point of everything, right? Like even podcasting, the whole point is to have a conversation, not to just get a million subscribers or something like that, right? It's what's the purpose of this conversation? I should be thinking about having, how to have a good conversation with you and being present as I can, instead of thinking about how many listens is this podcast going to get, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that, but be more present in the journey and create that wedge when you do difficult things. Absolutely. And I, I had that same reaction. Like when I first started doing the cold showers, it would take like, some time before I could bring my heart rate and breathing rate back down to normal. And now it's one or two breaths and it's, that's it. Like, I still want to leave. I don't, I don't want to be under that, but I have a timed ritual now so that it's not, it's just a process and that's, and I'm okay with that. And going back to what you said, it's kind of like that quote about, um, how's it go? The man who enjoys walking will walk further than the man who enjoys the destination. Yep. And I think that really, what that's really talking about is the identity of the person. So saying, I am the type of person that takes cold showers or dunks themselves in ice baths um, is a lot different than saying, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see how it goes. That's just dabbling. That's not identifying as that type of person. And y- y- the same is with a smoker. Like if, if somebody offered me a cigarette, it's, out of the realm of possibility for me to just say yes to that. Like I am so a non-smoker. Smoker, right? That's what I identify as. And I, I quit drinking. It'll almost be three years and about a month. Um, haven't had a, a drink since. And I just, it's now easy to say no, but right. it was not at the start. And that's the same with anything. If you start or change or do anything different or new, yes, it's going to be hard at the start, Yes, you're going to have to be conscious of it. And then one day it won't be. One day it'll be easier. But you yes. have to decide that that's going to be the type of person that you are. And that it all yep. starts with a decision. Yep. It starts with the decision in the mind and then starts with you audibly saying these things, right? Saying it out loud. And that's what I bring th- uh, a lot of my coaching clients in the True Alpha program through is you have this thought process, right? And Let's say you want to go to the gym and you're waiting for your mind to say, I want to go to the gym, right? You're waiting for that motivation. Instead of waiting for that, audibly say it, I'm going to the gym or tell someone else you're going to the gym. Now in your mind, you might have that resistance still with time and consistency and with those consistent deposits, eventually your mind will shift and you'll have less resistance to that. That's just an automatic deposit. Or this automatic thing, because we can have automatic deposits, automatic habits in our life that are good and bad. And it's about creating resistance to the poor habits and creating less resistance to those good habits. So if I look at something and I say, I'm never going to quit smoking as an example, I'm not a smoker, but let's say I want to quit smoking. I'm never going to be able to quit smoking. I'm never going to be able to do it. Like you said, you're shifting that mindset by leading with the language and saying, I'm not a smoker, right? And you might struggle a bit. There's going to be a lot of times where you want that cigarette, 
But with time and consistency, that internal shift will happen. And it's no longer going to be a difficult thing to do because you're shifting who you are, right? Language, the mindset, then action, then the results will start to mirror that. So I, I talked about this recently that I created this kind of chart. It shows on one line, it starts high and it kind of drifts down. And that's your motivation. Just starting anything new, motivation is generally high. We see that in January every year at the gym. Motivation super high. But what's low is discipline because they haven't developed the habits, the consistency, or the routine in order to keep going. At some point, those two lines cross. So when motivation's going down, discipline is still coming up but hasn't reached that very high point yet. When those cross, we call that moment the grind. And that's a really hard time to get through. But if you can recognize and almost plan for that to happen, you can be more successful and get through the grind. And then that's when discipline kind of takes over. You don't have to rely on motivation or inspiration to keep you going because it's then become habit and routine. And then your identity is a part of that. It's, it's just who you are now. I go to the gym. That's it. And I, you've made that just a part of you, your core identity, like who you are. I'm a CrossFitter. I identify as that. Nothing's going to change that, right? Like right. I don't, I don't see right. anything changing that. Yeah. So it didn't start that way. I remember when I very first started. Everybody thinks my CrossFit journey. It was back in uh, December 2006. Um, it was very rocky at the start. I had this love hate thing with it, and I did it for like a month and a half, and then I'd stop for two, and then I'd come back for three, and then stop for three, and then it wasn't until like a year and a half in of kind of dabbling with it, I was like, you know what? fuck it. I'm going all the way in. This is my thing now. And then the business started in July of 2008. So, but I had to make that decision that that's the type of person that I wanted to be. And once I did, my life changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's that decision. And it's, you talked about motivation and, um, do you say discipline? Discipline. Yeah. yeah. With that moment where they meet the grind. And what I've actually noticed too, is implementing something I call the anchor method even before you start something. So what the anchor method is, is you find something behind the pursuit that is meaningful. What's the purpose of this, this pursuit? So as an example, if I just did cold exposure because I want to do cold exposure or just for the heck of it, I'd probably quit eventually when I met that point of motivation because it's novel, right? When you start something, it's gonna be novel. And then the discipline, when they meet that grind, if I didn't have something bigger than myself, bigger than just doing it because it's a novelty or something that's new and exciting, it's a lot harder to rely on my discipline. So mental toughness, discipline, commitment to me, if you actually break it down a little lower or you break a peel a layer back, it's someone's ability to tie to a deeper purpose than just the activity. And this then goes into saying, when we have poor habits in our life, one of two things usually happens for you to shift that. Either you have the ability to be really self-aware and see what this, this poor lifestyle, this poor, these deposits are gonna lead up to, and you shift your journey, you take a different direction, or you take the change of tra trajectory in the future, 
or something bad happens, right? Something bad happens that you hit a roadblock and it forces you to go in a different direction. So if you can have the self-awareness to say, what are these deposits that I'm doing in my mental, physical, spiritual, relational, professional life going to lead to in the future? Is it what I want or do I, should I change the trajectory? And then when you want to change the trajectory, ask yourself why, right? If it's talking about the physical aspect of the fit five flywheel, you're saying, I want to change it because I want to be there for my kids. I want to be there as a grandparent one day. I want to go on adventures. I want to serve my community. That's way bigger than saying, I want to lose X amount of pounds. Not that there's anything wrong with losing the weight, but you need something bigger than that because what happens when you lose that weight? You're going to be left, well, I've achieved that. It's the destination versus the walking thing again. And what's the purpose of walking? When you have a purpose to the journey, a lot of things are possible that people didn't think would be possible. My mom is a great example of that. I love using her as an example. She was what I would consider a chronic walker um, prior to her starting CrossFit. So that's all she did. She just go out and just do walks and then that was it. And then this was um, probably six or seven months uh, into running a gym. And I said to her, I'm going to have a grandkid someday and you're going to have to pick it up and keep up with it. So when are you going to join? And she signed up the next day. That was, that was her reason why. And it was strong enough and it continues. My kid's going to be nine tomorrow. It still continues to be her reason why she keeps coming because my kid goes over to her house and they make cookies and they run around and they do all these fun things. It's her reason, but she needed a little glimmer of like, what's, what's the bad thing that could happen if I don't. And the image in her head was my son, Kevin's going to have this grandchild and I'm not going to be able to pick it up and I'm not going to be able to keep up with it. That was a, a detrimental picture in her mind that it, it motivated her to start and it kept her going. Her, it was a deep reason why. And even in workouts where she would, one day she threw a kettlebell at me. We were doing a workout and I just (laughs) trying to push her a little bit. And it was only, it was like a 10 or 15 pound kettlebell, but still it's like a projectile. Uh, She threw it at me and told me to F off. And anyway, even during those times, it still kept her coming back because she had a very deep reason as to why she was there, why she was there doing it. That's, that's it, right? That's find your why. I think Simon Sinek says that find your why and a lot of things are possible. And you look around at all these different strategies, all these different tactics, training methodologies, um, diets, ways to invest your money, ways to run your business, which there are a lot of good methods and a lot of good tactics out there, a lot of good tools. But when it comes down to it, if you don't have a deeper reason to why you're doing what you're doing, it's just going to fizzle out eventually, right? As business owners, both of us as business owners, we want our businesses to be profitable. But why do we want our businesses to be profitable? Why do we have an arbitrary amount of money that we want to achieve? There needs to be a deeper reason behind it. And you need to create this purpose physically and in your relationships and professionally before you need it. You need this anchor and that's something I'm sure you can talk about too. And because we're both gym owners in Canada, 
that was tough. The pandemic was extremely hard. There was so much growth and resiliency created from that. But I know for us, we were closed down for seven months, meaning we couldn't use our gym at all. And we opened and closed four or five times. And if I didn't have a deeper purpose behind what we were doing, we would just quit, right? Because it's if it's just about the money, if it's just about the profit, why would we do it anymore? The gyms that have survived the pandemic have, have to have had a deep why. Yep. There's no way that, the gyms in Canada at least, because there's no way we could have survived it without. There's no way, so we we retained, while we were closed down that first time, so March uh, 2020, uh, we retained 70% of our membership that were paying full price. They they understood my reason, and that's why they stayed on. That's the only reason we survived yeah. is because they knew what my reason was, and it's to help. And they knew that if I didn't survive this, or the gym, I, I identify as the gym, but yeah. um, if the gym didn't survive this, then what was there's nothing left for them, then their why is gone as well. So it was, it's not just having it and keeping it inside, but it's also letting other people know about what your why is so that they can also help you in times of need. That's something that goes back to that being vulnerable. I remember I was sitting uh, on my front porch, just talking to my camera and it was a being, it was a mem um, a video being shot for our membership to just say like, where we're at, what's going through my mind. And I just remember bawling, like flat out tears running down my face. And it was raw. It was real. It wasn't staged at all, but it, it showed the members that I truly cared about them and their well-being. Yeah. And I think that's why they continue to support CrossFit Moncton as it is today. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we want real. We want we want to know that people feel the same things we feel, right? Regardless of how quote unquote this successful they look, right? Everyone goes through struggles. Everyone has a thing. And it's that struggle, that sharpening of the person that once you are out of something like the pandemic as an owner, it strengthens you and it fortifies the people who stuck around right it creates this it creates a community it creates a culture that is unshakable it's but you have bond. to go through that yeah it's a bond yeah. it's you've been through something and that's where we created our slogan through it was gp strong like so we can do this we can do these things it's more than just being physically fit right it's mentally physically spiritually and I think there's a lot of ripple effect in this too. And you think about having a why behind your business, but you also need this as a family um, as well. And because this stuff can really affect things like that, right? So finding a deep purpose behind everything, getting your core values, it seems difficult to do because it seem, it's almost not flaky, but airy, right? It's, it's an mm -hmm. abstract thing that doesn't feel real, but it's the most real thing in a business. When you always go back to that, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And have it posted somewhere you can always see it. And don't get me like, look, when we were closed down the second time, I'm like, 
this is going to keep happening over and over. I can't keep doing this. I'm on my laptop looking up different job options. I'm like, what can I do to get into the RCMP? Or, you know, like the RCMP are never going to get shut down by the government. They are the <laughs> like it's. Yeah. So I was in this dark spot where I was like looking at other different options and I have it right here. It's I'm going to start crying now if I look at it. <clears throat> it's it was one of my trainers who has been a member for many years. It's me working behind the laptop while we're being closed. And it's saying, it says that that's the type of person that I am, that no matter what I'm going through, I'm still going to look out for other people. <clears throat> and I guess that's the part of my core identity. Mm -hmm. It's I want to help and I'll do it at my own expense if needed. And my members felt that they knew that about me. And I think that's the only reason why we survived and that we're still open today. Thanks for sharing, Kevin. That's impactful. And your members are lucky to have you. It's, um, I don't think people truly know if they don't own a business, how difficult it is and how much of your life it consumes, right? It's, it's difficult to separate yourself from that as a person because you care so deeply about these people, about these people you've seen get healthy or sick or get away from sickness, develop deep bonds. And you take that on yourself, that responsibility, because like you speaking about that too, I was three or four times I asked my wife, Jaleesa, like, do we just sell everything and stop? I talked to a lot of people about that multiple times because you're taking on so much debt, taking on so much, all these different things and thinking, well, what if this doesn't subside? What if we can't go back? And we're now five to 10 years behind, even if we do get a different job, we do do different things. And that's where you keep looking at those things. And I actually have a letter from a member, uh, a card, same kind of thing, right? And it's right behind my screen so I can see it all the time because I know people notice and it's not just about being noticed, but people are being impacted. And even if it's just for one person, I mean, one person doesn't pay the bills, but that will grow <laughs> and that will attract more people who want that kind of service and want that kind of culture and community. Yeah. It's like you said, it is all encompassing. If you're not a business owner, you really don't understand. Like a lot of people, like you work at a bank or an office when you're done your job, you close your laptop and you go home and that's it. I do that. Like. I've, I've had many nights where I've been up late just thinking and it's like, damn it, turn off, stop. Yep. And it won't. And it's, you know, that's what it's part of the job, right? Police officers know that their, their life is on the line every day that they sign up. They know that that's part of the job and running a business, you know, our lives aren't on the line, but it's, it's part of the job that we don't get to turn that off all the time. Yep. No, there's a, there's a lot of things you give up for other things, meaning there's freedom in business ownership. There's 
a lot of ability to, well, there's your, your own boss and you can create what you want to create. But with that comes a lot of sacrifices too, like time with family sometimes, not being able to be present. And I guess that's the question I can ask you then is what do you do? What are some practices and tactics you do to try to disconnect from the gym when you know you need to be more present? Hmm. So it was funny because during the pandemic, when we were closed, my wife and I were doing a lot of hikes. We'd just go out in the woods and just start hiking. Um, And we were out on these trails close by. And I saw this, uh, these four wheelers drive by and I was like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. You could probably explore a lot of the, a lot of the area on those. And then I just bought one this year. And now I take my wife and my daughter out all the time. And it's so fun. Like we just get to see all these amazing views that you would never get to see if you were just out on your own. Like you just go, you can't find those spots. Um, there's a spot in town or in the province called Martin Head. I've gone there three times this summer. Like I only bought the thing in May and I already have over 2000 kilometers on it. Wow. Like it's crazy. We just yeah. we go all the time. The last trip was 168 kilometers and we were done in like six hours. Like it's, it's amazing. So personally, anything outside, we have a camper as well, um, a travel trailer. We try to get out to as many camping weekends as we can. Um, reconnecting with nature. It's just good for your soul. Like, yeah, there's physical benefits, but it's my way of unplugging, but also recharging. It sounds like complete opposites, but when you unplug, your body gets to recharge. Yep. Yeah, we're so stimulated and plugged in nowadays, right? Yeah. And I think you're also a disc golfer as well. Yes, I'm just getting into it. I love it. uh, Local entrepreneur. He was in my coaching group too. He developed and designed the course here. And I heard it's one of the best ones around. So fortunate to have there it here. It's pretty we, uh, cool. We help, yeah. We help design, well, not design, but we upkeep. I'm on the um, the executive for the Riverview Disc Golf here. And uh, we have one of the highest ranked disc golf courses in the Maritimes. Really? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's just a cool sport, right? Because it's, I mean, golf, there's a lot of technique involved and it can be frustrating. Well, the, the barrier to entry, like yeah. how much do golf clubs cost versus a starter pack of discs is 30 bucks, yeah. right? And then you have them forever and you're It's free to play. You just go out and do it whenever you want. Yep. We have a lot of rivers, so I lose quite a bit, but not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, Kevin, this is great so far. Um, is there anything that you want to share that you think would be impactful to the listeners? Something that's mm. resonated deeply with you as of late or a life lesson or because I believe there's these principles and these truths that we can tap into in terms of how we live our life, right? So how the world's been designed and that mean different things to different people. So what I, what I mean by that is I talk about deposits, right? I talk about deposits into a holistic bank account. And basically that's routines and habits, but it's a different way of looking at it. So there's something that is impactful that you're coaching people through or that you want to share. This is very recent. Um, Like as of last night, uh, I started a new course and 
I'll ask you. So I'll just take you through the process and see how how you react to this. Um, I'm going to ask you what what's your definition or what do you think is the definition of a spell? A spell. A spell. Like if you cast a spell. Well, if I'm thinking about it from like a Disney movie, right? It'd be some sort of witch casting a spell that makes someone do something, right? Sure. But you generally people think about like a cauldron and their witch is stirring yeah. it and they're throwing in eye of newton, toe of frog, and all that stuff, right? A spell, by definition, is using words to influence others or yourself, right? It's just words that influence. And that's all a spell is. And so we are constantly being influenced by spells from other people. And that could be going way back to childhood, to something your mother or your father or you know somebody that you cared for said to you. Or it could be the words that you're telling yourself every single day. And those spells have an effect on you and your behaviors and a lot of your choices. So I'd like to, this is raw. Like we have not rehearsed this at all. Never rehearsed it. Do you have a pen on you? Do you have a paper or something you can write on? 100%. Okay. So the listeners can do this as well. I want you to write down a sentence where it starts with, I should. And fill in the blank. I should what? And this is for you personally. I want it to be very personalized. So I'm right, I'll talk as I write so there's not a lot of dead noise here. I should sure. take Duke for a walk after this podcast. Okay. It's my dog. Cool. How does it feel when you say that I should take him for a walk? Like it's something I don't want to. I, I do want to. Obviously, sure. I want to walk my dog. But anyway, you should. It makes me feel a little resistant. Okay. I'm going to get you to rewrite the sentence, but this time swap the word should for could. So just rewrite it again. Could take, by the way, your walk, your pen is your magic wand. You're creating or casting a new spell with your pen. So I want you to read that sentence out loud again. Yeah. I could take Duke for a walk after this podcast. How does it feel to say that sentence? I have an option. I have a choice. Cool. Feels different. Yep. You're going to write down one more sentence. You're going to swap the word could for can. I kind of knew you were going to say that. I guessed I should have said, I can't say it now though, because I said, I knew you were going to say that. Um, I can, I can take Duke for a walk after this podcast. How does that feel to say? Like I have the opportunity to do it, right? It's no longer I have to. It went from I have to to the option is there. Now that I have the option to choose something that is actually a good thing to do. We're going to take it one step further. Do you know what it is? I will. No. You're going to add the word because to the end of that sentence and then fill in the rest of the sentence. Mm. This is like the anchor method. (laughs) I can take Duke for a walk after this podcast because I want to get out in nature and disconnect and let him have some fun. How does that feel when you say it that way? There's a lot more meaning behind it. There's a whole different story behind it, right? There's, you can have this 
image and feel what it's going to feel like versus having that resistance driving all the way there saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. No, I want to do this because I feel better after I do this because of this, this, and this. Isn't that neat? Just changing the, the structure. One word can change the entire meaning and feeling and emotion around that sentence. It's crazy. Yeah. That first one, I should fill in the blank. That's pressure language. You're putting pressure on yourself. And if you have a, a young child at home, what happens when you push against them? What is that young child going to do? Immediately push back. That's what happens. And we do that with ourselves. When we start shooting all over ourselves, we start resisting and pushing back. I should eat better. I should go to the gym. Well, guess what happens? You start eating like crap and you start not going to the gym. Yep. Because it's pushing, you're pushing and pressure and it's not pulling. I can eat better. And as soon as you add the word because to it, it doesn't matter. That's the cool part. It does not matter what you write after the word because. It's going to give you a reason. Yep. I like it, that. Thanks for sharing, words, Kevin. Words are magic, man. It's crazy. Words matter. Words matter a lot. Yeah. 100%. And that's why as coaches, we have this rule where you say, you don't say don't or can't, right? Or say, don't drop the bar, right? Because what you hear is that you're being forced into, you have no way out, right? Or instead of saying, let's try for one more rep. And you just, you just keep at having that. I mean, you could say, I can try for one more rep because of this, this, and this. But as a coach and someone's in the middle of a workout, that's not going to work out very well <laughs> doing this whole So long. we we get rid of the word try completely because that's soft talk. Trying. Right. Well, what does that mean? You're right. going to do one more rep. Right. Come on. One more rep. That's way more impactful and actionable than try one more rep. Yes. Well, that's that's just an option. I could try or I don't have to. And I, I guess say, it depends on the situation too. Rep. Yeah. It depends on the situation too. Cause in a calm environment, if you want to see one more rep as a way to see the movement, try wouldn't affect the person, right? If someone gets really defensive and walks out, there's something that deeper <laughs> if they're in a calm environment. But yeah, like you said, in that more intense workout environment, let's do one more rep is different than saying don't stop. Right? Yes. Yep. Completely the, different. The negation. We want to flip the negation over so it's an affirmation, something that is a positive, an action, a do, right? Yep. Kevin, this has been so good. Where can people find you if they want to listen to your podcast? I mean, it's probably on Spotify, Apple, all the Spotify, good places. Spotify, Apple, all the big spots. Yeah. So it's called The Resilient Humans uh, or Resilient Humans. Um, we release uh, an episode every Monday. Um, we alternate kind of each week. So one week we'll interview either a resilient human or people that help others become more resilient, much like yourself. Uh, and then the other weeks we will talk about a topic. And a lot of those actually have been coming in recently from, uh, listeners. They've been requesting certain topics to be covered. So okay. I think that's it's really been uh, interesting to hear what people want us to talk about. So I have a co-host, Ingrid, that we kind of sit down and kind of just jam with. And what comes out, it's uh, it always leads or ends with 
something practical and actionable to do. So I hope that in this episode that we just recorded, that people actually do that should. And here's the thing. If you just listen to it, you'll only learn about 30% of it. If you write it out, you're going to learn about 50%. But if you teach somebody else how to do that same skill or action activity we just did, you're going to retain 80% of it. So actually go out, do it yourself, and then go do it with somebody else. And you're going to notice that more often when you're talking with others or when you're just talking with yourself. You're going to pick up on those little shoulds and uh, you might call some people out on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the law of awareness, right? Bringing your attention to something. I say, here's another thing everyone can do who's listening. I say, I want you to count all, if you're driving today, all the red cars. You're going to count the red cars. You're going to think, man, there's a lot of red cars. There's way more red cars. How did that happen? It's not that there's more red cars. You're just aware. They're always there. Yeah. They're always there, right? And so when we think of opportunities, we think of things we want to do in life. The opportunities are there. We're just not looking for them. So change the words, change your mindset, change the rooms you're in, get into rooms with people or even Zoom calls or whatever else it might be who are doing different things so that you can see the world in a different way, which will change again your trajectory. You got it. Cool. Awesome. It's really Kevin. just, it's activating your reticular activating system. We could talk a whole other podcast on that, on that topic. We'll have to do it. Anyway, we'll have to yeah, do it. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, brother. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me on today, Matt. It's been great. You bet.